Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Massive Attack podcast. If I could think of a bingo reference, I probably would. Two deformed ducks, is that it? Sounds good to me. Alrighty, I'm Joe, and with me as always is Mitch. Hello, people. It's spring here in Melbourne, but it is another cold night in the studio. I think lovely. You think? Yeah. Alright. And we go through menopause. Maybe. Mm. Anyway, we've got quite a bit to cover today. A lot of movies looking at the run sheet. But as usual, we might jump straight into gaming. Yep. I haven't done a lot of gaming, so maybe we'll jump into you, Mitch, because I know mm. you've been playing a couple of newer games. Well, 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 I finished Far Cry, which I talked about last time, I think. You did? I finished Far Cry 3, which so was good. No glitches? You managed to get all I, the way to the end? I did, 100%. And That's even good. went and bought the DLC. I was enjoying it that much. I thought, yes. So I went and bought the DLC and played that, which gave me an extra two, three hours of gameplay, which I enjoyed, only to put the disc back in the case <laughs> when I was finished to see I had codes for the DLC. So oh. I spent money i didn't need to but i don't care because i enjoyed myself that's good so yes that was good i started binary domain which was a a sega game a third person shooter which got a few decent reviews from podcasts i listened to like a couple of years ago yeah but it was a very underperformed game as far as sales go it's it's japanese obviously with sega and it sold i was reading the wiki on it the other day and it sold something like forty thousand copies in the u.s Okay, I'd I'd never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a couple of years old now, so there's nothing new or innovative in it as far as third-person shooters go. Yeah. There's skill trees, there's build them up, it's co-op, so you're always with us, one or two other AIs running with you on your missions and things like that. And it's fine, it's enjoyable, the cutscenes are interesting, it's very Japanese in that way that you might go a five minute cutscene playing out in between everything, but try and find the YouTube clip for this establishing shot for a mi- almost a turret mission in the game, but it's just like, oh, that's pretty fucking epic. Yeah, so I'm a bit way through that at the moment but did make a purchase on the weekend so i haven't played it for this week because i bought disney infinity 2.0 yes so because you you completely finished disney infinity and thought time to move on yeah fuck disney infinity (laughs) one that was shit (laughs) like we bought that we bought an extra pack of figures which were still in the pack never went back to it just not interested but this is marvel so i was like oh well even if i don't play it the figures are really cool yeah, when they mentioned they were bringing out the Marvel stuff, I thought they were just bringing out, like, you know, DLC or an expansion for Disney Infinity with just the Marvel characters, but it's it's a whole new game. Well, it's it? a whole new disc. I don't think these figures will work on 1.0, yeah. but the 1.0 figures will work on 2.0. Okay. And there's, there's toy box mode, so there's mission mode and there's toy box mode. And in toy box mode, and this is the thing that I didn't get with Disney Infinity, you sort of started in toy box mode and you're running around in this empty world or semi-empty world that you can go and make things and do things like Minecraft in a way. Yeah. And there's also little missiony sort of bits that if you go into the the world there's a Monsters Inc mission with that if you had two Monsters Inc characters you could play in there or if yep. you had two Pirates of the Caribbean characters you could both of you go in there or one on your own obviously. And they just didn't invite you in easily. That was the problem. Yeah. Sort of, oh, I don't know. Like, at start, Disney Affinity, you started off as a spark. And as you moved along, you controlled this spark along a world. And as you sort of went along, it built itself up around you. And in a way, you're just sort of introducing you to the game and everything. But it, once you got to this world that was big and empty, that like Minecraft, and then what do you do? And we just never got inclined to go back. Yeah. Where this is much more like a very simple Grand Theft Auto where okay. you pretty much you start with a mission and you're in New York and you've got to go find Nick Fury and he'll give you a mission. So you go around the maps there and it tells you where you've got to go find him which you probably hate because you didn't like Marvel Lego for that reason that it yep. was a bit too open worldy. So it sounds very much like that. It does by the sound of it, yeah. So that's really cool and it's also got the toy box mode but it's not your default sort of thing. So you 
you sort of get into the game first before you go off and That's play with it. Yeah, yeah, so we played a good chunk of it Sunday, my wife and I, so that was good, and we only stopped because we had to. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise, we could have kept going, but um, yeah, so that was really enjoyable. So who have you got? Well, with the kit you buy, which if you go to JB or EB's, it's $99. Yep. If you go to Target or Big W or Kmart, it's $68. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, thank God I didn't buy it the first place I saw it. So, with that main kit, you get the, a new plate, home board thing that you put the figures on. Yeah. Which I've got already, so I don't know why I need two. But anyway, but I've got a spare. They're no different to the Well, we do, Well, you haven't taken it out of the pack. I've oh, used okay. the old one, so it seems to be working. All right. Um, you get a new disc, obviously. Yeah. And you get a game piece, which is the world that you play in. So that's an Avengers world. And you get an Iron Man, Black Widow, and Thor figures. Okay. So while we were out, because I'd saved myself $31 already, same way with the other one. You, If you want to play in the Avengers world, Iron Man can play in any world. There's a little grid on the back that says there's three worlds, basically. There's Avengers, Spider-Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. And Iron Man can play in all three. Yeah. Others don't. So... Thor and Black Widow only work in the Avengers world. Spider-Man works in his world and Guardians, obviously. Yeah. So I was sort of like, ah, oh. and I wanted, Sally really likes, my wife likes Groot and I like Groot and we saw a one Groot figure in Big W while we were there when I bought it and I was like, oh, we might as well get one while we're here and it was $5 cheaper for the figures in Big W again than they were in EB's or JB's. So. Yeah, because I saw them in Target the other day and I think they were $12 yep. a pop. Yep, 17 if you go. It's crazy. JB. So I was like, well, we'll get Groot because there's one here. He's probably going to sell out. He's probably popular. Yeah. And I was like, well, we need the world for Groot to play in. So there's a two-pack of Gamora and Star-Lord with the Guardians of the Galaxy world, essentially, to play okay. in. So we've got that those figures. But we've had a lot of fun just in the Avengers world so far. We haven't even gone into Guardians world. So I'm happy. So it's actually fun. And it's a game we can play together. Because my wife's not a very good gamer. She doesn't really get into it like I do and gets shitty at me because I always go ahead too quick where she's still trying to work things out. And I've done, like, 14 things already. It's like, <laughs> why are you going ahead? like, because I'm waiting. So, yeah, so this was really cool that was that was fun that's my game well there's one more but we'll get onto yours and then we can well you mentioned minecraft i've played a little bit more minecraft strangely i was full on into minecraft i think just after we did the last recording and i played quite a bit more in a chunk and then i had something distract me and i stopped probably all the movies that we've been watching this month And I went back to Minecraft and it sort of told me that I hadn't been in my world for like eight days. And I was like, oh, really? Maybe I've weaned myself off Minecraft. So I don't know. I haven't really been playing a lot of it. But I think I've got to the point where I've pretty much built my house how I want it to look. And I've built like a bit of a cobblestone road system between my various houses and mines. And I think I've done what I needed to do. And Mm -hmm. I... I tried playing it on the harder level with the bad guys, but I didn't enjoy that quite as much because not only is there bad guys, there's these other things that come along and and dig holes and steal your resources and stuff that aren't really bad guys, I don't think. I think they're just doing their thing, but they were fucking up my world and I was like, I don't really like... So, yes, I've I've gone off Minecraft, but I did try a little bit of one of the Xbox Game for Gold freebie titles. Mm -hmm. I think it was last month's first freebie which was battle block theater and i figured that might be something that the kids might enjoy because it's a 2d side scrolling platform jumping sort of game and is it well it is and no they didn't (laughs) they didn't like it and i played through the first tutorial level and thought yeah maybe this isn't for me and i thought well maybe i'll try it again without the kids and see if 
I get anything more of it but yeah I played probably five minutes more and then thought no this isn't for me so luckily I haven't blown my dough on that I've heard a lot of people rave about it but not I don't know, just not for me and then the kids have been quite into their Lego games and they're quite into their physical Lego and we noticed that the iPad version of Lego Star Wars was free just recently so we downloaded that and then once we started playing it we realised it's only the first two chapters of the first episode that are free and then you so it's exactly the same game as the pretty much Xbox, yeah? Yeah, yeah the controls don't control quite as as well because it's tapping yeah. the screen and yeah, there's one button to tap for your direction another button to tap for your for your buttons and that makes it a little bit confusing because if you don't tap exactly where it wants you to tap it's not very responsive but yeah my seven-year-old was playing a little bit of that and he decided he wanted to play more so we we drug out the uh, xbox 360 disc and played quite a bit of that over the last couple of weeks oh you're on school holidays now yeah i'm on school holidays this week but the week before last we had a couple of sick kids that all they wanted to do was sit around and watch tv or play games so we we played all the way through Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back in one session so they quite enjoyed that that was 12 little chapters each chapter in the Lego games probably only take 15-20 minutes I've played it so many times I know exactly where everything is so I was able to breeze through it pretty quickly but my seven-year-old's really enjoying the fact that it's unlocking characters again because we're playing on his profile, not my profile, so we haven't got the 100% save there. Yeah, I don't know. And my wife and I still had that same discussion, like, all right, he's watched the game now, he's played the levels, do we show him the movie? And we're like, do you want to watch Lego, as you want to watch Star Wars? And he's like, no, Dad, I only want to watch Lego Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, but there is other episodes of the new Yoda Chronicles floating around out there at the moment, which we didn't realise about because one of them was on Foxtel, so we've been watching them, and I think he's getting his Star Wars fix via Lego. And you'll have Star Wars Rebels soon. If yeah, you they've, be bothered. they've got the ads for that. I think that's on Disney XD out here. So, yeah, that should be good. Mm. And another thing that I've kind of been replaying is Soul Calibur 2 HD on the 360, which was an original Xbox game that my wife and I played a lot of, because not only did it have your normal fighting style of Soul Calibur, it had like a, a little sort of RPG dungeon crawly sort of section to it that we quite liked. And they've dropped that from all further Soul Calibur games in lieu of like online modes and stuff like that. But this one had it and we really enjoyed it. And it's been something that I've been thinking about getting for a little while, but it's always been too expensive. But then last week in the deals of the week, it was on, on sale for like 75% off and I picked that up for eight dollars i think so yeah i've been having a bit of a hammer on that so that's been quite good mm. but yeah other than that i haven't been doing a lot of gaming that's still a lot of gaming <laughs> i suppose it is so i guess doing like that big chunk of lego you could say it's quite a lot of gaming mm. i don't know I, I just think of it as not a lot of gaming because i'm replaying something that i've already played multiple times that's yeah, like i don't eat a lot because i keep eating <laughs> the same thing yeah. yeah that's true yes but the gaming i've been doing is I was tempted to put Candy Crush back on my phone because I've been missing that little mini game. What do I play when I'm on my phone waiting on the boyfriend chair while my wife's trying on clothes or something in the shopping center or whatever. So, and I I always troll the top 10 lists in iTunes to see best apps, best free, best this, best that. There was one called Belfour, which, you know, I had a look at it and it's a match three sort of game and everything. So I was like, oh, give it a go, download it, have a look. And yeah, I'm not super addicted by it, but I play often on the iPad and the phone. When you say you're not super addictive, you you were around at my house the other day and you had some 
some sort of notification on your phone to say when you had lives again. No, I don't set that up. It just tells you. Because it, it's, it's no, like I'm, candy. I'm not saying you set it up, but as soon as it went off, you grabbed your iPad and played your extra level. <laughs> well, yes. I've been stuck on a level for a long time, so I'm trying to get over it. But um, it's, it's, it's a match three type game. It's very similar to Puzzle Quest in the fact that you build up spells and you have defense and attack and you're versus another creature. But basically you get moves. So you get four moves and then they'll attack you. You sort of have an idea what their attack's going to be to your health. Like, it's about a thousand hit points or something. So, you start off with sort of runes that if you get enough blue runes, you can restore your health. Or if you get green ones, like when you get the tiles, you know, you yeah. build up your levels and you can so use it, them in it certain ways. It does sound a lot like Puzzle Quest. Yeah, so, and little 3D animations that sort of do it. So, it's, uh, I probably should just play Puzzle Quest again because the thing with this is when you die, you go, all right, you you, you got to heal up now. So, that'll take 40 minutes. Minutes. Or you can pay a dollar twenty nine and heal up straight away, which obviously is great. Like I said with Candy Crush months ago, that it was the the reason to put it down. Hmm. It, it stops you playing, so that's so that's good. So I don't need to keep playing the game. I can just put it away, and if you know, forty minutes time, it will ding and say you're healthy again if you want to play. So okay. Well, Candy Crush have actually just changed their monetary system. Mm. Whereas before you could pay that extra, you know, ninety nine cents or a dollar twenty nine or whatever to five extra moves or what have you, but now they have like in game gold. Yeah, and it's like you have to buy, well, you have to pay like nine gold to do this, and you can only buy the gold in like ten point increments, sort of thing. Oh. So I think they're they're kind of gouging us there a little bit. Oh. I've only bought one pack of gold in the last well, month since they've done it. So. Sucker. You know, you get to the point, though, where you've done the same level for ages and ages and you almost finish it and you only need, like, you know, one more thing or one more move. And you get that tempting to put that in a little extra. But anyway. Well, I mean, I've been six months free of Candy Crash. And well, yes, they- as much. Well, mum's got it on her iPad and she gets stuck on levels every now and then. So <laughs> I have played it in that time and it has made me want to go back and install it, but I haven't. But yes, it's all sort of kind of tempting. But I just, it's keep- just like say you, you quit smoking, but you still bum cigarettes off people. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Only when I'm drunk. Yes. Yeah. Only when I'm socialising. All right. But some of the in-game purchases in this thing. Yeah. Like, you can buy Heal Up, obviously, it's twenty-nine. I'm just calling up a store now. But they've got a chest that you get every day. You can go there every day and you can get a freebie. Yeah. But you can also buy. For eight ninety-nine. you get a gold box with a chance for an ultra-rare item. A chance. A chance. A chance for an ultra-rare item. One in a million, still a chance. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and just some of the stuff you can buy. There's like weapons. You basically you have clothing which has rune spots. So you got one spot, put a rune in or whatever, yeah. and it's got a, either a shield or an attack or something to a value. And you can pay in in-game currency, so no real money, but you yeah. collect gold in the game as well. And you can buy slots. So if it's got five slots, you get one, but you have to pay to unlock the other slots. So oh, you okay. can appoint five runes to it or whatever, yeah. and you can get a staff or a sword or whatever it is as your weapon. And you can buy some of these things. And one of the swords is worth $89 as an in-app <laughs> purchase. Yeah, that was like... Angry Birds Go, the racing game. Like, you could buy extra upgrades for your, upgrades for your car, or you could buy new cars, and one of the cars you could buy was, like, $110. It's just like... I mean, I suppose if someone's stupid enough to pay it, good on them, but... You know what it is? I think it's kids that are playing... 
and their parents have like told them their passwords for their iTunes account or whatever and the kids are just hacking around blindly going oh yeah I need to do this let's do it sort of thing and that's why people have these massive bills on their credit cards and they're like I don't remember paying for this no, it's just ridiculous but yeah I mean I, the game's good I really enjoy it but I don't want to pay $80 yeah. for, for a, a bit for a free game <laughs> that has taken a bit of my time it has but moving on to television, it's something you can play while you're watching TV, isn't it? It's pretty much what I do. <laughs> That's why I've got it on the iPad on the phone, so yes. that I can jump between the two. Well, we have been watching a little bit of TV. The new season of Tosh.0 has just started. and I miss that show. Yeah, you don't realise how good it is until it comes back and you watch it and you think, yeah, this is the best clip show on TV at the moment. And the Comedy Channel now... Ridiculousness or whatever it is. Oh, that was terrible. Ridiculousness. The Comedy Channel have stopped bleeping the swearing out of it, which I thought was kind of strange. It was weird hearing him full-on drop the F-bombs and things like that, but I kind of missed the bleep. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was kind of funny. It was a bit of a shock. But, uh, yeah, I was like, what? They're letting him speak. They still blur out testicles, though. Yes, and so they should. (laughs) (laughs) Not fake testicles, only real ones. Yeah, they they showed the fake ones. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, that's just started up again, so we've been watching a little bit of that. And speaking of things that have just started up again... Well, everything's starting up again. Well, it is, isn't it? This week is when it all kicks off, the new season of TV. Yes, and you've been watching the new season of Doctor Who? I have been watching Doctor Who. It's better than the last season. (laughs) Sort of weird. Doctor Who's... You you sort of watch it, and you... Because there's no point of reference to Doctor Who. Like, they all sort of happen whenever. Yeah. So, yes, there's an overarching story, but there's an episode here set in Pompeii, or there's an episode here set in the future, there's an episode set in Victorian England, on another planet, whenever. It doesn't... It's, they don't matter, yeah. basically. Doctor Who used to be fine. It was just a story, and you'd watch it, and then you'd watch the next one. Now they sort of put an overarching story, which may pay off or may not, and you don't know until the end really because you sort of get these little bits throughout each episode and you don't know if it's really good or not until the end so you sort of can say yeah that was an alright episode but I don't know about that yet Mm. Mm. maybe in six weeks time it'll be oh that's genius or really that was all and it's just they're just episodes like I'm not coming away going oh these are great and I don't know if you remember fondly it's like wrestling your era of wrestling when you start watching and then you expect more from it later on where if you actually go back and watch the wrestling that you love and say oh it was the best era back then when I was watching this and you go back going oh wasn't that good actually yeah i'm not sure doctor who's a strange one in that way that it you enjoy it you watch it but you expect so much from it generally it doesn't deliver mm. and what's the new doctor like is it, he's the, really good peter, peter capaldi. capaldi he's fine like some of the stories were a bit oh this is not much he's really good in it clara's really good in it. the plots were a bit bad last three episodes are definitely picked up so we're, i think we're episode five now so because i know they made such a real big thing about the very first episode they were showing it in the cinemas and stuff it was it's huge now doctor yeah. Who. it's funny how much i'm watching things legitimately <laughs> like we watch it on abc iview because yeah. they they recognize now that people get up sunday morning it's been on in england and you go to iview and it's there yeah like as soon as it's on, been on in england it's on iview yeah, and you can watch it it's on iview before it's actually screened yep. on television isn't it mm-hmm. yeah it may, it may even be aired live on abc as it happens no, but okay. it's like two in the morning or something stupid so well they've probably realized with the whole piracy thing that people are going to pirate it as much as they can so if they can get it out there as soon as possible yep i mean this is again it's the abc so that it's not like they're losing revenue from commercials but still getting eyes on their content is a good thing so yeah i've been watching legitimately on iview and i've actually been watching a lot of channel 31 which is community tv here in australia and they've got a (laughs) on their app on the not the app on the website there's a catch-up tv okay so i've been watching a lot of 
shows legitimately catch up on mm. Channel 31. <laughs> They're terrible shows, but I still watch them. Yeah, I know one of the local Aussie wrestling promotions actually That's has one a of show. the ones Is I watched last night. Outback, Outback Championship Wrestling. wrestling. Yes. Like they I said, they crap shows. <laughs> no offense to our friends that are with Outback Championship Wrestling. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen one of their shows. But anyway, other uh, than that. Yeah, there's a few shows, so I'll just. I'll probably nut down. We just literally, as you walked in, I watched the end of the first season of Got Ham. First episode. First episode, sorry. Yes, of, of Gotham, the new yep. Batman-inspired show, I suppose you'd call it. It's it's not Batman. It's the young adventures of Commissioner Gordon. Oh, sorry. Captain Gordon. Captain. Captain. <laughs> young adventures of Billy Joel. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, it's set Gotham City. It's a young uh, Gordon who's just moved there, and he's it's a corrupt police force. So it's very Batman Year One, if you know the comic. Who was playing Commissioner Gordon? Don't know who he is. Just an actor. Yeah, he kind of looked like a young version of Edward Norton. Oh, I thought he looked like Jeremy Renner. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Maybe if Jeremy Renner and Edward Norton had a child, that it, would be him. It was good for a first episode. It was fine. It, it sort of got me in. There was a really good comic years ago called Gotham Central, and it essentially was this, it, but it was now. It wasn't a prequel or anything. Okay. And it was basically the police of Gotham City. So, you know, they are in Gotham City with a shitload of wacky criminals and stuff like that going on. It's a place where Batman is, but they don't. you never really see Batman in the comic, but it's just, this is how the cops work in Gotham City. And it was really good. Like, really popular, fantastic show. And when they said they were going to make Gotham, it's like, good, this would be a great... It's a cop show in Gotham. That's it. You don't need Batman. Yeah. And then they turn it around, no, it's a thing. So it pretty much starts off with the shooting of Tom and Martha Wayne. Okay. So I was like, oh, there it is. So you've got young Bruce Wayne in it, which... I didn't want Bruce Wayne in the show. I wanted to be Gotham, but there's a young Bruce Wayne. So how much he will be part of the story going forward, I don't know. Hopefully not much. Hopefully that's the hook to get people in. And by season one, they send him off to boarding school and we don't see him again. Because you don't need him. It's not what yeah. you need. Well, it's, it's not Batman, is it? Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people criticising, saying, why would I watch a Batman show with no Batman in it? So you don't want him there because it's sort of like, everything's here, but Batman. Why the fuck don't we have Batman? But at the moment, he's a 12-year-old boy, so it's yeah. not going to be. But it starts off with a girl obviously as Catwoman like she's going to be Catwoman a young girl there's the Penguin in there or Oswald Cobblepot so there's no characters there's no character names yet yeah they're all the real people there's an Edward Nygma in there which is the um, Riddler there's a rumour going around that someone in every episode might be the Joker like it's it could be just a little easter egg that oh this person might be it or this person might be it so every episode there could be a Joker in there so there's lots of little nods to the Batman comics which is really cool it's not a problem but it's a bit stylistic which being a comic show they sort of do it yeah. and it's sort of like because Arrow does the same thing it's a bit of stylistic in the way it's directed and those sort of things and a lot of green lights in it because it's Arrow you know but just film this like CSI or not CSI like Law and Order yeah. Make it look like a cop show. Don't make it look like a cartoony-ish cop yeah. show. You know, is it like it would be better if it was more real and down to earth. Don't try and make it look more because you're not making that show. I mean, I can dare say in two, three years' time there'll be costume vigilantes, there'll be this, there'll be that. But at the moment, they're trying to keep it grounded, but it's still got a bit of a stylish look. Not as bad as Dick Tracy was, but it's... It's sort of there. So, okay. going forward, that's I'm up for it. I'm definitely interested in keep going... And one other show I did start, which has been and gone as far as Foxtel here goes and in the UK, it's a BBC production called Musketeers. Yeah, I mentioned it briefly on last month's episode. I'd watched the first two episodes. And gave up. Yeah, and then, yeah... I don't know. The second episode, I was a bit underwhelmed by. Yep. I think the first episode was kind of good because it was different. Mm. But then the second episode, it was like... The oh, same. Yeah. yeah. 
just yeah. some more sword fighting and a, and a bit of a useless premise then i've got the third episode sitting on my foxtel hard drive waiting to watch and i just haven't done it yeah we're about four episodes in but now all the tv shows are starting again so we'll probably take yeah. a while to get back to it but i i enjoyed it for what it was it looks fantastic like the costuming and the it's look well made the, yes it's no game of thrones as far as authenticity i don't no. think but it, it looks all right it's quite funny because I, I was looking and thinking how good the costumes were and i went and showed a guy at work i went on google images and found yeah. it and they bought up images from the Kiefer sutherland movie from about 15 years ago if not more yeah i was gonna say it's more than and that. it looked like as a high school pantomime costuming wise like this one they're all elaborate leather clad and all this very Game of Thrones inspired as far as costuming goes. Yeah. Where you're looking at the ones from the Kiefer Sutherland movie, which is a big budget Hollywood film. Yeah. But it, yeah, it looks like a. Yeah, I, high I think production. you're probably looking more 25 years for that film, aren't you? Rather than 15? Your sense of timing is terrible. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably 20. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I do remember, though, speaking of getting things illegally, I borrowed that DVD from the video shop and I was going to burn myself a copy. And I did. And then I went to watch it later. <laughs> and it was one of those dual sided DVDs that I'd only burnt half the movie. <laughs> so, I've only seen the first half of Three Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but you burnt it, so you had it. You could have watched it. I know. It. <laughs> it's one of those things where I've got to take it back to the video shop. Maybe I just ripped myself a copy. But anyway, that's where piracy doesn't pay, kids. <laughs> Yes. Well, speaking of movies, we've started on that track. We may as well jump in. Yes. Because I have a lot to talk about movie-wise. Well, get going. You threw out a challenge to me last month. I mentioned that I'd seen... Did you suck your own? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned to me last month after I'd talked about seeing... Uh, Olympus Has Fallen that maybe I should watch White House Down and work out which one of those two was the good one and which one was the shit one as far as terrorists taking over the White House and after watching White House Down I'm still not sure (laughs) I I think possibly they were both the shit ones Okay. now White House Down is the Channing Tatum Jamie Foxx is the president and similar sort of premise that although it's more internal with White House Down rather than being the Koreans coming to take them over like they were in Olympus Has Fallen Mm Mm-hmm. Channing Tatum was kind of shit. He was like this bit of a, a dropout high school, been through so many different jobs, divorced with a daughter, and his daughter was a bit of a, a nut for trivia about the White House, and she was on a White House tour while he was... That would be handy. Yeah, well, that was the big sort of, you know, yeah. this is the setup because we need someone to know everything. But no, she was on a White House tour while he was going for an interview to try and get a job in the Secret Service, and he got knocked back because his ex-girlfriend from high school was the, the main person doing the hiring. Oh, God. Coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, shit goes down and the daughter brings up her abundance of facts about the White House to know where things are and, and he saves the day and gets his job being Does in the Secret Service. Dance his way through. No, he didn't. <sighs> but that leads us to the next lot of movies that we watch. Again, I mentioned last month that my wife and I were going to try and watch the Step Up movies. Mm-hmm. Did you which- step up and did you watch them all? We've watched four. The fifth one's actually in the cinemas at the moment, but we've watched one, two, three, and four at home. We didn't get to watch uh, Step Up 3 3D in 3D because we don't have a 3D tally, but it probably didn't make that much difference, I don't think. There was one dancing scene where they were throwing talcum powder and stuff like that towards the camera, and I thought to myself, well, this might look good in 3D. But yeah, it's it's funny. The, the first one starts off fairly well. Mm-hmm. It's a girl that's in like a dramatic, you know, school of the arts type thing doing ballet type dancing and Channing Tatum 
Tatum's the young dropout hip-hop dancer and they kind of get together and do their little bit of dancing and then the second one is all hip-hop and Channing Tatum kind of passes the torch to another girl that he was friends with and she carries on and then 3D it's kind of like another one that was part of the crew that steps up to be the leader of the I've, I've only seen three because I've heard 3D someone was reviewing because they got a 3D yeah. telly and they watched it so they said it's actually not bad like it's forget- it's terrible but the dancing's very good and this so I actually watched that on the basis of so I've not seen the other two but I have seen three I kind of got lost a little bit in 2 and 3 because 2 and 3 is all about hip-hop crew dancing. So it's like a group of people doing, you know, a big number. Whereas I think there was more variety in 1 because she wasn't a hip-hop dancer. She was like ballet contemporary and he was hip-hop and he was kind of merging the styles. And then in the fourth one, the girl that's the main character in that was on the American season of So You Think You Can Dance and I think she came third in the year that she was in and she's quite a good contemporary dancer and she again is trying to get into some hobnob dancing school and she befriends these street people that kind of do the street dancing eating dirty street pie yeah <laughs> exactly because that's I mean that was funny because I think it's an Aussie who plays the girl in Step Up 3 yes it is yeah and you can tell she's not she's meant to be like a good dancer and I'm assuming she is a good dancer but, she's but not okay, that style she's not yeah not that she's style. nowhere near the calibre of everyone else in the, that thing and yep. you can just tell like there's just a sort of a, the way she holds herself and all this sort of thing yeah it's and it's interesting the way just the music changes in them as well. Like I found as they went on, the acting got worse and the dancing got better. And the, just the script and the dialogue just gets terrible. Some of the stuff they say in the fourth one, you just think to yourself, no grown adult would talk to each other the way they talk <laughs> I, to each other. I got that. I mean, like I said, I understand the third one. And there's a guy who goes to college yep. and he's about to go to college and gets side winked, in, hoodwinked into a dance off or something well, from memory. And it's The like, way it works is he's like a, a bit of a, a bit player in the crew dance from the second one and then it follows him and the girl that's Channing Tatum's little sister from the first one end up going to college together in New York and yeah he sees some guy walk past in these limited edition gunmetal grey Jordan runners and he's following this guy's feet like looking at his feet as he's walking and he walks into the circle of a dance off with someone else and he sort of shows off his skills and realises that he's a terrible actor Obviously, yeah, a really good is. dancer, yeah. but a terrible actor. <laughs> and, and that's what I got from that. And he like, throws away his degree in engineering to become a dancer on the streets, pretty much. So, yeah. Dirty but, street pie. Exactly. But the music in the first one is, is a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of other stuff, obviously, because mm. they're dancing to other stuff. Second one, hip-hop. Other stuff's little, one of my favourite genres Hip-hop, a little bit of Latin. Third one, more hip-hop. In fact, the third one's pretty much all hip-hop. But then when they get to the fourth one, it's in Miami. Mm. And there's a little bit of, like, Latin sort of song which is kind of cool and then we hit the dubstep years and there's a couple of dance numbers they do to dubstep and it's like oh yeah i kind of remember when dubstep was a thing (laughs) and it's only like a 2012 film or something like that but just the soundtrack makes it really dated it's like it being a matter exactly but yeah i don't know i probably would say one four three two with the order of how i would rate them as far as best to worst i enjoyed the dancing in four but i enjoyed the storyline in one but there you go so now now i've seen four step up movies i said to my wife are we gonna like go and find the you got served and all that sort of stuff and she's like no i think i'm over dancing movies for a bit so yes but i watched another couple of movies at home and then i've had a trip to the cinema so i'll two fairly recent movies I've seen at home and one of them was the John Favreau directed produced acted written concept designed mm-hmm. bit of a, a vanity piece for him called Chef where he is a it's restaurant a chef on Chef from South Park no? yeah, yeah yeah exactly 
No, he's a he's a chef in a restaurant where he used to be, you know, top shit sort of thing, and now he's stuck doing what the restaurant owner's telling him to put on the menu, and he doesn't want him to, to be too, like, airy-fairy with his food. I've been to a restaurant like that. They had chicken parma. It's a pub. I wanted a chicken parma. Any overseas listeners who don't know what that is, there's chicken parmigiana, which is a crumbed chicken breast fillet with tomato salsa, essentially, and melted cheese on top, sometimes with ham. It's a basic dish. Traditionally with ham. That's why they get the name parma, because well, it's parma ham. Well, the... Doesn't need the ham personally, I don't think. So. <laughs> but anyway, it's a very much a staple of any pub meals around Australia. Yeah, I went to one. Obviously, the chef was too highfalutin to <laughs> want to make chicken parmas. It was too below his stature, so he sort of reinvented the chicken parma by having almost a chicken and salsa stew with crumbs on top and cheese. I was like, "What are you doing?" Ah, <laughs> oh, anyway, you, you sorry. Don't, you don't fuck with the classic. No. But anyway, he he's found out that this critic's kind of come and do a review of his food and this critic's like uh, one of those new school online blogs one of the the most read food blogs on the on the internet and he yeah he cooks him a meal and the the critic sort of gives him a, a pasting saying that you know, 10 years ago you were cutting edge and now you're just bland and undercooked and it all kind of snowballs from there whereas john favreau's not technically savvy and his 10 year old kid who he's got weekend custody of because he's divorced from Sofia Figara who I'd never seen Modern Family so I didn't know who she was I knew the name I didn't know what she'd been in but anyway this is the first time I've seen her in anything but anyway the son's a bit of a whiz and they're sort of looking at Twitter reviews and stuff like that and John Favreau gets on Twitter and doesn't really understand how Twitter works and sends a message that he thinks is a private message to the critic and it turns out it's quite public and he gets millions of retweets and basically it just kind of snowballs from there and then it turns out that he loses his job in the restaurant and decides to find himself again becoming a, a sandwich truck starting in Miami and driving Selling back to Los Angeles. Yeah. There's a thing. Cubanos, <laughs> actually. So Cuban sandwiches. Mm. Did but, you make a Cuban sandwich after watching it? No. But the way they make it, there's this one scene where he cooks this restaurant food for the critic and the critic doesn't like it, obviously. And then he goes home and cooks what he wanted to cook himself. But he makes this massive meal, but he's living by himself and he's got this whole table full of food and it's like, well, that's just a waste, isn't it? It's a really good cast. It's like John Favreau is the main character Sophia Vergara's his ex-wife there's Robert Downey Jr. that plays her ex-husband that she was married to before he was married to him sort of thing so that's kind of cool there's a good rapport Mike between those Mike two. Hock is his son no it's the guy like, that was his son like was, over the top the no. guy that was his son was a really good actor but I don't think he's been anything uh, John Lugazamo was in it and he looks like he's put on about 50 pounds he was very Eating large eating all the food on the catering well, exactly. show. and they did get some famous Korean chef to come in and be executive chef and show him how it was all done So really, I I enjoyed it because it was one of those movies where it was just a good, happy movie. There was nothing bad happened in the whole movie. No villains. There was well, the only villain really was the critic was was a bit of a villain, but then he turns out to be a good guy in the end. The, the only real villain was Dustin Hoffman, who plays the owner of the restaurant. That's the one that's telling him that he has to cook what he cooks, sort of thing. And it's like, you know, you're just the chef, you work for me. And there's one scene where Dustin Hoffman goes on this big tirade, and it just reminded me so much of Ric Flair. Okay. So, yeah, if they ever do a Ric Flair bio movie, they should get Dustin Hoffman to play Ric Flair. Same age. <laughs> that's probably why he reminded me of him. But anyway. And the other movie, recent release I've seen, is A Million Ways to Die in the West, which is, is Seth MacFarlane's Wild West movie. Mm. and I kind of wasn't sure what to think about it going in, but I'm really glad I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it had the typical Seth MacFarlane joking sort of 
style of kind of bringing modern twists into this old-timey movie. Mm-hmm. Again, the supporting cast was awesome. We had uh, Neil Patrick Harris playing the bad guy in it, or one of the bad guys. Liam Neeson was in it as another bad guy. Shalaris Theron, who I can never pronounce her name properly, was his love interest which was kind of cool there was a nice little side story with Sarah Silverman and Giovanni Rusbifi who most people would probably only know as being Phoebe's brother and friends but That's I'm sure he's done lots of other things known as. yes so yeah and there was a ton of really cool cameos in it and I thought yeah this is really good people don't know these cameos and then the next night I was watching the ad on Foxtel saying watch this on on demand and they showed one of the cameos in the ad and I was like that's a bit shit so I'm not going to spoil that now because okay. it, was, it was good. But if you like Family Guy and you like Ted, it's probably not as good as Ted. But yeah, if you're if you're a fan of Seth MacFarlane, you'd probably get a little bit out of it. Okay. And one last movie before I let you have a bit of a chat about movies. Yeah. Is I actually had a trip to the cinema, being the fact that it is school holidays, and the families and or family and I went and saw Planes, Fire and Rescue, and yeah, I'd recommend that. And you've seen Planes. I have seen planes. My wife and my older son hadn't seen planes, but my little one and I had previously seen planes. The little one didn't get much out of the new one because probably it was an hour and a half movie and it was a bit too long for him in the cinema, but my seven-year-old loved it. And there was one bit where he turned around to his mum and said, oh, this movie makes my heart beat really fast, mum. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, great. Yeah, because that's exactly what it was meant to do. It oh, was okay. just basically the premise from the first one. The first planes is a little bit too much like cars it's a plane that is a a crop duster (laughs) and i'm not going to do the crop duster joke again but he's a crop duster that decides that he wants to go in this world air race sort of thing and just prove to the world that a crop duster can be a fast plane and he kind of wins and stuff so there's your spoiler for planes one but planes two he decides he's going to try and do it again but he's got a very bizarre engine in his crop duster plane and he needs a part otherwise if he goes over a certain amount of torque he'll blow his engine yeah well he will so he's his mechanic basically says to him, you've got to not push it, you can't race anymore. So he decides he's going to train to be a, a fire plane. And they send him off to the country and he hangs out with this fire crew and learns how to be a firefighter. Okay. And the voicings in it's quite good. Dane Cook does the main voice of Dusty Crop Hopper, who's the little crop duster plane. I don't know enough about Dane Cook to have an opinion, but he was good in it. There's other voices that are good. Hal Holbrook was one of the voices. The, the names sounded very familiar. I think he's a 70s TV sort of person. Curtis Armstrong, who was Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. Yeah, he's one of the mechanic type planes uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed it and as I said it's it's one of those kids films that the adults will probably get a little bit out of too so. okay yeah. although it's not cheap to take a family to the cinema it cost us $70 just for the tickets so two adult tickets and two child tickets not including any food, popcorn, anything like that. And you just... wonder why people pirate. Exactly. And you wonder why people go to Cheapy Tuesdays and just hang out for the kids' movies that are like $7 tickets all the time. So, yeah. Mm. But anyway, that, that's my movie watching. That's probably a big chunk. There is more that we'll get to when we get yes. to the topic, but I'll let you jump into your all right. Well, Well, to take your Dane Cook... I will take you. I will call you on that. And I saw a movie called Detention, which I may recommend. I'm going to recommend this film. Okay. But I had it recommended to me by two podcasts. Not personally. It's not like they podcast said, listen to this. Oh, they do. No. Well, I could say, Rusty, listen to this. Now, that's, a, you know. But <laughs> I heard on one podcast, I said, this is really good. It's kind of quirky. It's kind of weird. That's really good. And then another podcast, Banff, that we talk about all the time, they did it as well. And it's like, oh, cool. I won't listen to theirs. I want to see it first because I don't want to ruin it because I listened to pretty much half a review of it on the other one. And it's like there were too many setups going. They were talking about the plot and there were a lot of setups and it sounds like it's not a straightforward movie. So yeah. it's like, no, no, I want to see this before. And considering two podcasts I like talked about it, it's like, well, I'll, I'll check 
check it out. I was all excited. And it sounded like it was a bit of a slasher horror sort of film, but in the same way as, same way as Scream. Sort of quirky, funny. Yeah, a little bit well. tongue-in-check. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. My wife doesn't like horror films at all, but, yep. you know, so ah, it's horror once you might get into it. So we'll try and watch it. So downloaded it. All good. Word of warning, people. There's a 2011 and there's a 2010. There's two films called <laughs> So just word of warning. The 2011 is the one is you want to watch. Okay. Not, right. There's one that came out in 2011, in 10 as well. That's more a straightforward slasher horror film. And I got confused because there's a bear as a major plot point. <laughs> In and I'm talking a real grizzly bear, not not a hairy no, gamer, hairy. is a part of the 2011 version. So I'm and I knew this going in, and I'm watching the 2010 version. It's like, oh yeah, it's a pretty standard horror film so far. In the first five minutes, you know, you sort of get it. And there's a guy wearing a Grizzlies t-shirt, which is the school football team. It's like, well, this must be the thing. And then <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. It's like, oh okay. So I'm looking at IMDb, watching this movie, going, it's not very quirky so far. Like I'm ten minutes in, and Zelda Williams isn't in the one I'm looking at because Dane Cook's in the one I want to see. And I found out. Yes, there's another one. And there's also a Dolph Lundgren movie from 2003 called Detention. That's not it either. Okay. All right. So 2011. 2011. And it's really good. It's really clever. It's stick with it. There's a lot of things where you're going, why is that there? Why why is the bear magnetic? Why is (laughs) all these weird sort of things and everything is paid off in the end? Like, it's so worth it. And there's there's some really clever scenes in it. Like, the director's, the only other thing he's done is the movie Talk, which was sort of like Fast and the Furious with motorbikes. Yeah. But it's it's well directed. It's quite funny. It's got that, it's got that sort of 90s feel, like not another team movie, but it's obviously a bit more coherent than that it's not parodying anything but there's some really good bits and there's if you like your 90s references there's shitloads of them in there so music wise it's recommended without okay. saying any more because it, it's worth not having it ruined but yes the 2011 all right um what else have i seen rock of ages which we've talked about before i did catch up with it because i was in a bit of a mood for musicals after our last podcast yeah and it's a bit shit but was the scene with Russell Brand and Alec Baldwin where they sing their duet the best that, part that, of the that whole is, movie? That is a fantastic part. It's yeah. just, I didn't care about the characters, I suppose. And some of the songs went on a bit. Like, I know with the songs, but I don't know. It, it, it was fine. It just, I didn't yeah. care. I don't know. When I saw it, I kind of liked it, but it wasn't enough for me to say, yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, I'd recommend like, it to anybody. It was funky. It could have been better. With better, the main cast could have been better. I'm not sure. Something something could have made it better. Maybe the live show was a much better experience because you sort of get swept up in it. But yeah, in the I movie, so. it was a bit, yeah. yeah. So there was that. Someone recommended on another podcast this movie called Banraku. And I always just go and check IMDb when people talk about movies and they sounded quite interesting. And fuck me, that's an interesting film. Japanese? No. Okay. It's, the word is, the word Banraku is a style of enough shadow or a puppet theater okay. a traditional japanese puppet theater and these movie kind of looks like that so it's if you've seen the fall it's nowhere near as good as the fall as far as visual goes but it's very similar to what's in city or 300 okay in the fact that it's very much made in sets you can definitely tell a lot more colorful but it's got a very surreal look to it it's not it's hyper real or however you want to put it yeah it's probably but, a good way to describe it and it, it's funky like it looks really cool and it's starring josh harnett as a the drifter who's basically a cowboy you got demi moore woody harrelson ron perlman so pretty funky cast but the reason i actually watched it because i was reading through this going oh yeah this looks funky and the images looked interesting and it's got some really good fight scenes and everything but one bit of casting is what made me watch this movie and that's of the narrator so you don't even see it but the narrator is voiced by mike patton 
Oh, okay. Lead singer of Faith No More, my favourite band. So I was like, I will do anything that <laughs> I will watch, listen, whatever that he did. So yeah, I, it was it was interesting. Not a great film. Like I, definitely something I put on the background. You can easily walk away from it. But stylistically, something different. Anyway. Okay. And you, have you had a trip to the cinema? Drive in. So we actually took Blockbuster Junior out to his first film. <laughs> we went to and saw Lucy. Okay. So basically, we don't go to the movies together now. Like my wife and I. So it's pretty much. Just like, I'll go or you'll go. But yeah. now we thought, we'll try the drive-in. We'll see how he goes. And he slept through the whole thing, which was great. And we saw the movie Lucy with Scarlett Johansson, directed by Luke Besson. Oh, who's, yes. you know, Fifth Element, Big Blue, yep. Subway. Likes to have his strong female characters get beaten up a lot. Oh, La Femme de Kita, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and this is another one of those movies where Scarlett Johansson basically is forced into being a drug mule and take this experimental drug. It bursts in her side her and she gets ridiculous superpowers. Essentially, okay. the movie, the trailer makes it look more action-packed than it is. I thought it would be super actiony, but it really kind of isn't. Okay, it's it's good, but it's not not what I was expecting it to be. Sort of like there was a bit of action at the start where it's like, oh, she becomes kick-ass, and then she sort of transcends that pretty quickly. Like, because it's all about the premise that we only use ten percent of our brains, which is all bullshit science anyway. Yeah. But you know, this drug releases more and more, so she ends up building herself up to using a hundred percent of her brain. What could happen then? Infinite. So it's a little bit like Limitless, that movie with Bradley Cooper. Very different in. Well, the whole concept. premise of that was they had a drug that mm. helped you open yes. up your brain more. For your mind. Yeah, but she's more than just a brain in the end. Oh, okay. Sort of like she can control her body and she can control her things. Like change the colour of her hair just with the thought and stuff like that. And it's quick. It just sort of ends. And you're sort of going with modern films now. They just seem to be so long. And it's sort of like, oh, yeah. And it, it was good because the movie sort of told its story. It's like there's no point sticking around for another half hour. So I was like, that's it. We sort of just looked at each other go, oh, I guess that's the end of the movie. Okay, let's go. So... It just didn't blow me away like I was expecting because he's such a visual director and he's such sort of high concept, big picture sort of thing. Yeah. And it was sort of like, oh, yeah, okay, it's a nice little story by being a, a well-made. Still, you know, there's special effects, there's action, there's car chases and stuff, but it's it seemed quite small compared to what I was expecting it to be. But worth it, but don't hurry. It's not blowing me away like I wanted it to. Well, speaking of car chases and movies that don't blow you away, we were going to do a topic of this month's podcast. Yes, we were going to do, because to get away from the musicals that we did last time, the disco movies, let's do, we were going to do 70s, but we are going to do buddy 70s buddy cop films. And I remember when I was a kid, I saw a movie called Freebie and the Bean. Which I'd heard of and I thought it was a classic or I had a notoriety anyway. Yeah, well, it's Alan Arkin and James Kahn Mm -hmm. and they play cops sort of yeah buddy cops that are doing a bit of an investigation to try and break up a bit of a I think it was a drug cartel wasn't it Nice. Anyway, when I was a kid, this movie came out in early 70s. I probably saw it in the early 80s. I remember certain bits of it. I remember the car chases being the fact that they were in San Francisco and they were doing big car chases on the hills in San Francisco in this, like, you know, big fuck-off Ford Falcon. And I really loved it as a kid. Watching it again now, I can't believe my parents let me watch this movie. It just was not appropriate for kids. And after about half an hour into the movie, I can't believe I wanted to watch this movie again. It started so well. And yeah, by about probably 20 minutes, half an hour, it just turned to the driveling got very shit. distracted. Yeah, there was some really good car chases. There was some good rapport between James Caan and Alan Arkin. But then... There was some scenes that was like Alan Arkin talking to his wife, who was 
Valerie Harper, and they were just some of the worst acted, worst written scenes no, I've seen in a long time. Not likable characters just yelling at each other, and it sort of didn't move the plot along. Really, it's just sort of like okay, these two cops sort of they're obviously friends, but they don't get along. They they argue all the time, and they rib each other, and they do yeah, yeah strange sort of things to each other. I mean, you wouldn't say it was Tarantino esque, but it sort of had that dialogue driven characters talking a lot in between. It's a comedy action yeah, film. There so were some pretty full on action scenes in it. Yeah, like, and it, like a lethal weapon like it was a it it definitely had that sort of vibe without knowing it was fun at the time maybe it was considered fun in the 70s but as I said when I was a kid I loved this movie so much I used to draw little comics and I used to have these two characters that I had I was probably what primary school age but I used to draw these comics of like a fat cop and a skinny cop that used to drive around and have car chases (laughs) and they were called Frankie and Blue and I had these like you know exercise books full of these comics that I used to draw when I was a kid just little stick figure comics but again yeah Wales. No, that was while well, I was here in Australia, oh, yeah. but yeah, I was primary school age, so probably 11, 12, I don't know. <laughs> but the main, like, the last fight scene in this movie is James Khan having a fist fight and then a gunfight with a transvestite in a lady's toilet. Mm-hmm. It's just not an appropriate film for an 11 year old to have been watching. Yeah, so it broke us. Yeah, we had this- basically we, we, we got rid of the buddy cop films and said, screw you, that's it. We almost decided to do an Alan Arkin-themed movie because we realised that he'd done just a ton of good movies. Oh, because while we were watching this, we just did other things, I obviously. So. Alan Arkin, yes. And the biggest shock <laughs> was that Alan Arkin wrote the Banana Boat song. Yes, he used to be in a voice band, like a, you know, a... a what's the word I'm looking for? A, a singing trio or something before he got into acting? And, yeah, their claim to fame was they they wrote the Banana Boat song that Harry yeah, went on to become a, a million seller with. So, yeah, so if anyone ever asks you in trivia who wrote the Banana Boat song, you can tell them. Alan fucking Arkin. Alan Arkin. <laughs> so, yes. So, yes. So, we... Somehow, we were going on to YouTube after... No, we... Well, the premise was that we were going to do 70s rock operas. At but then we, we thought that we needed a break between doing disco films before we jumped into the 70s. But the fact that Freebie and the Bean just killed us, we just went, no, bugger that. Let's drag out the rock operas. So that, that's our theme for the 90s. Yes, yeah, 70s, 70s rock operas. rock operas. And we've got a not a vast range of years. We started with a 1979 film and we went back to a 1973 film. And the only other one in between was also 75 and another 73. So we didn't really cover a broad spectrum. Of but there aren't that many, to yes. be honest. So. Anyway, well, we started with hair. Now, you hadn't seen hair before. I thought I had, but after watching it, I realised yeah. I had. And I've seen hair, the musical, not the movie. So, And I really didn't understand what was going on in the musical when I saw it. So <laughs> it was all brand new to me anyway. So... I didn't like hair at the start. It was a bit shit. It's because the hippies were just annoying, yeah, I think. I fucking hate hippies, for a start. So well, the- conceptually, as far as TV and movies and all that go, what? and their free love wanky shit, it's sort of like... And that was exactly what they were in this movie. It's a guy who's from the Midwest or somewhere. He hops on a bus. He's being conscripted, or he's he's going off to join the Vietnam War. Yeah, he's, he's coming from... Bumpfuck, Bumpfuck Idaho. Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> to New York City, so he can sign up to the army and go to enlist and go to Vietnam. And- and he gets 
snaffled walking through Central Park by this group of free loving hippies and somehow just becomes friends with them and friends they sort them, of yeah. and the leader of the hippies is played by Treat Williams yeah who's pretty cool in it I'll give him that yeah and they see a bunch of girls riding through Central Park on horses which I assume you can do I doubt and one of them's Beverly D'Angelo pre-vacation days and they sort of have the hots for her and this and that and sort of girls just want to have fun style they invite themselves to her debutante coming out <laughs> thing in the at the country club because she's a rich woman what, and what gets me you mentioned national lampoons hair was made in 1979 and she's playing like this young 20 something yep. early 20s debutante and the first vacation movie was made in 83 and she's, and she's, she's playing like a mum of two teenagers <laughs> only like four years later it's crazy it was just strange. Yeah, so it's sort of like you get these hijinks. Well, not hijinks, it's not super funny, but they're just sort of being all hippie-like and he's sort of in the group and they like this girl and then they sort of grab her into it and they get arrested they get bailed out of jail it was all very strange like I, I don't know I wasn't obviously paying super attention to it yeah so basically he's having a little bit of fun before he goes and joins the army and Treat Williams and his hippies are kind of trying to convince him that he shouldn't join the army and he's like no I'm going to do it sort of thing so he ships out to Las Vegas to do his basic training and the hippies decide that they should give him one last send off yeah, before he and goes they, they kind of steal a car from i think he was beverly d'angelo's brother was that who the character was who knows but yeah they steal a car and drive cross country and they have like a a young black woman and her child in tow because the father is one of the hippies and he's denying it or something like that so they just drag them along for the for the ride this is a whole lot of shit for a while but then it kind of all turned around at the end because they the hippies try and get onto base and the the guards tell them they're not welcome there so they they steal themselves a uniform and treat williams cuts his hippie hair off and dresses up as an army guy and decides he's going to go onto the base and swap places with the recruit. So he can go off and see Beverly D'Angelo for one last shag, basically, before he goes off. And And big spoilers here if you're planning on watching here. The the alarm gets sent out and the orders go that... They're shipped out. They're shipped out to Vietnam and Treat Williams gets shipped off to Vietnam with the rest of the crew while he's pretending to be the other guy and doesn't get a chance and to... And the last scene is yeah. the guy who was obviously snuck off base and everyone else looking at his tombstone at Arlington. Arlington. Yeah. And they're sort of like, oh, so the ending was a kicker. I really enjoyed it, but I had to sit through a lot of crap to get there. And it's weird, though, because Hair is an iconic musical, yes. but there was probably only... Three songs out of all of the songs that I actually well, knew. A lot of a lot of iconic musicals only have a couple of songs. True, but yeah. So um, there was the, the actual the hair song that was the big song, and there's Age of Aquarius, which you probably That's might a know. Pretty huge, yeah. And then there's another one, Good Morning Starshine, that mm-hmm. they sing while they're driving to Las Vegas. Yep. So there was, I mean, it's there was a strange to have three on. big ones. It's pretty good, I think, probably. to get out of it. Well. We'll get to that as we go along, but there was that other strange song they were singing in Central Park that was, like, about masturbation and doing drugs and yeah. things that you shouldn't do really are okay in the end. Sort of it was pretty full on. I mean, it's a 1979 movie, but it's based on a 69 play. Yeah. So- and I think the fact that the movie was kind of set in the, in that sort of middle of the Vietnam War as well makes more sense. Yep. So, for me, obviously, being so distanced from Vietnam and America in that way, it sort of the concept and what it was all about the time it's not I couldn't gel with it as far as that goes and it's very much of its time yeah like it's not a synergy for now it was then so it was sort of like I was very distanced from the whole thing anyway I didn't like the protagonist or astagonist so there was a lot of it I couldn't buy into but the plot twist at the end was enough to make me go oh that's nasty yeah, yeah so. for me the plot twist at the end kind of reeled me back in I was really starting to, to wane on the hippies mm. 
And then it was kind of like, wow, that's... Because I remember you going, he wouldn't have any training. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, the very next scene you see his gross training. (laughs) And it's like, that's right, he had no training. So that that was hair. And we're going, oh, what are we in for here? Because the next next few movies, we we knew what we were watching. And I'm thinking, I'm going to hate all of these. They're all full of fucking hippies. And I fucking hate hippies. After hair, I I thought I had hippies. So so the, the second one we watched was The Who's Tommy. Mm-hmm. which is a Ken Russell film who I knew the name Ken Russell and you mentioned a few things that he'd done that are quite iconic and the Tommy movie that came out in 1975 I guess is a very high concept movie as well yeah based on the high concept album of which, again which six came seven out, years earlier yeah it came out in the 60s again and, and I've got to say, I, I, I don't get subtext, I'm, I'm assuming. Like, <laughs> I, I would not be able to listen to this Tommy album and know what the fuck is going on. Because no. I'm, I'm rarely knowing what's going on watching the movie, which has visuals to go with the songs. Let alone just to hear these songs without any concept around it. I'm like, what the... <laughs> now, I, I knew of Tommy, or I thought I knew of Tommy. I realised that... You just knew Tommy Cooper. I'd probably... <laughs> I'd probably seen this a long time ago. Mm. But I've also seen The Who... I think it was year 2000 and something, they did a live show of Tommy and part of the concert they did is like the whole concept album of Tommy and they got guests in to sing some of the roles and they had Phil Collins as one of the dodgy uncle characters in the version I'd seen rather than the movie. But Mm. the movie still has a lot of fairly important cameos in it as well and not just cameos but fairly important yep. major roles you've got Oliver Reed playing the his uncle stepdad. slash dad yeah. stepdad yes and Margaret as his mum as his mum Roger Daltrey the lead singer of the Who was Tommy himself well uh-huh. you start off as Tommy as a young boy Yep. And before he's born, his father's... Shipped uh, off to World War Two, A fighter pilot in World War Two, and you have quite a harrowing scene of him crashing his fighter plane. Yep. And... Well, his mum's working at the munitions plant. And then, yeah, she kind of goes into labour simultaneously with his plane crashing. Yep, so that jumps forward five, six years, and she goes to a summer camp where she meets Oliver Reed, and they fall in love, and there's a young Tommy there, and life's happy for the... Yeah. It's all done... It's a total musical, so there's no talking in between. It's all done by song and visuals. Yeah. And life's, life's pretty good for them, yeah, until exactly. Tommy wakes up, and there's his scarred father, <laughs> who's returned from the war. Yeah, okay, it's because I was kind of thinking that he was dreaming about his dad me thought, too well, how can he be dreaming about his dad because he's never met his dad yeah. and then as it turns out his dad's actually not dead and come back from the war so he goes into the mother's room who's getting it on with stepdad yeah and they react and oliver reed hits him over the head with a lamp and kills him and they go oh my god what have you done kind of thing and and, and there's tommy standing in the doorway who saw everything and yeah. going, you didn't see anything you didn't hear anything in song yeah. basically saying you didn't see anything you didn't hear anything you're not going to say anything and basically he becomes mute yeah. he sort of like doesn't respond to anything all he does is stare in the mirror that's yeah so he basically turns into a blind deaf mute zombie kind of kid yeah. and grows up we then see him grow from being young child to young Roger Daltrey yep. and, and his parents are trying all sorts of doctors and religion so and- they get Jack Nicholson in as a doctor to try and work out what's going on he says he's, it's all psychosomatic there's actually nothing wrong with him yeah his trauma they go to the church of marilyn monroe where eric clapton 
plays guitar and sings a sermon and they try and fix it there that doesn't work he's everything's not going too well and then they take him to a drug dealing prostitute that's right where Tina Turner is the acid queen yep and they get well it's all visual representation that's not the right but he goes into like an Iron Maiden torture device full of syringes which is lovely and I was telling you at the time that I saw this when I was I reckon 12 or 13 again inappropriate movies and it's back back in the day, I was saying, didn't you love it when you could just get late night movies on a Saturday when things would just go and you just watch it? There yep. was no internet back then. I had no idea what the fuck Tommy was. Play it. I had no fucking idea. And there's nowhere to go to check either. Yeah, so there's exactly. no internet to say, what am I watching here? It's just like, I don't know. But I watched the whole thing. And it's like, what the fuck is this? But yeah, <laughs> every time more shit happened, like <laughs> Tina Turner turning around the acid queen going, your parents let you watch this? It's like, I don't think they knew. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's all so sort of strange and then one day he just sort of escapes and runs away from home finds himself in a in a junkyard and there's a pinball machine there yeah and then the police well, the guards find him there and the police come and get him and say like, oh we found your boy here he is and they, and they sort of ask what was he doing and this is all done obviously with visuals it's not said yeah but it's sort of like oh he was on the pinball machine and oliver reed's thinking oh we can monetize this yeah you know, basically exploit the deaf dumb and blind kid who plays mean pinball Next thing you know, he's in a pinball competition with Elton John, which everyone would know the Pinball Wizard song. Yeah. And he's there with the biggest pair of Doc Martin boots you'll ever see, which is just impressive. And he becomes a sensation. People love Tommy for this deaf, dumb, and blind kid who can play pinball. And he becomes a massive star. Yeah. And they make all this money, and that's all good. But then Anne Margaret has a nervous breakdown by writhing around in chocolate, champagne, and baked beans. Just, just see the scene, you'll, <laughs> it's fine. And she won a Golden Globe for this movie, and after watching this scene, she deserves this Golden I Globe. I think so. And then he gets his sight back, well, which I decided, never knew. She decides that all that Tommy does is stare into the mirror. What would happen if she broke the mirror? So she throws like a yeah. telephone through the mirror or something. And then Tommy kind of falls through the mirror and wakes up in a swimming pool and realises that he can see and hear and speak. So he's sort of enlightened and he comes away and then he ends up baptising his mother and he becomes... A prophet. A prophet, essentially. And because of his popularity, he actually starts the Church of Tommy, essentially. Well, and with the help of his father-in-law who likes to monetize everything yeah well he's a bit of a carny from the days of running these like holiday yeah. camps oh we forgot to mention while he was still deaf dumb and blind he actually got given to his his cousin to look after him uncle. for a while no his cousin first oh that's right yeah and he essentially mistreated him and yeah. then they gave him to his uncle to look oh, after right. oh, yes the cousin and yes. um yeah the uncle sort of mistreated him in a not a nice way either <laughs> so it's yeah. just very strange and sort of Again, you were saying your parents let you watch this thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he, when he gets his side back, he starts his church and he's got, like, crucifixes. But instead of the top of the crucifix, it's a silver bowl, like a pinball. Yeah, the iconography in it's really good, isn't mm. it? And so, he gets all these followers and he's getting buffer boys and widgies and the squidgies and all that. Yeah, basically, he brings all the sort of, you know, 60s, 70s stereotypical type of English things gliding over the top of them. Yeah. And convinces them that if they want to find true enlightenment, they need to put on the blinders so they're blind and put the earplugs in so they can't hear and you know take a vow of silence and give up the drink give up the smoke and when when nothing really happens for them they kind of turn on poor old Tommy yep and it, it's visually it's amazing the music's great like if you like The Who if you like CSI TV shows you'll know The Who <laughs> but yeah it, it, it's it was strange but I really dug every bit of it like it was like apparently a little bit different to the, the yeah, concept the album, album or whatever was, they've know. added a few songs and they've moved a few 
things around. But it, it holds together as a narrative, and thank God we... I mean, like I said, I don't get subtext, so thank God for the wiki. It sort of was explaining what was going on at different points, going, what the fuck's that all about? And again, it's probably of its time, like Buffer Boys and things like that, yeah. very British of the 70s, so knowing what they mean and what they represent or what they do. And, yeah, damn yeah exactly. So I really dug it. I thought it was just cool and funky. So it, And just the feel of it. It just... Yeah, everything kind of felt like it was in its place. Yep. And it all just meshed together well. And as you said, that that scene with Anne-Margaret where she loses her mind and just goes nuts, it's probably one of the best losing your mind scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, so it was like, it was good. After hair, it's like, oh, we're on the right track here. But I wasn't looking forward to the next two. I thinking, God damn it, fucking hippies. <laughs> so and Not only hippies, but religious hippies. Were yeah, and I, I'm, just full disclosure here, I'm not religious at all. Not that I'm against religion, I just am not. So I do not have much of a religious education. Only what Christmas stuff comes out. You know, I'll see things like The Little Drummer Boy or something. You know, but if Rankin Bass did it, I know it. <laughs> but um, outside of that, I don't know a lot. So next one we saw was Godspell, yep. which I caught a bit on tally a couple of months ago. And I remember bits of that going, fucking hippies. Yeah. Like, it's just all very vaudeville, mime-ish, sort of over-the-top sort of thing. And it was just really getting on my goat, what little I saw. So I'm like, yep. I'm going, all right, I'm willing to watch this for the challenge but I'm no I'm, I'm no I'm not going to enjoy this especially after hair hmm. I loved it I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would going back to it like I'd seen this again when I was quite young my parents had the album like the LP when I was little because I remember quite vividly seeing the cover of the album with Christ tied to the chain link fence in yep. the crucifix position and yeah I I kind of grew up religious so I knew a bit about the backstory of what Godspell is so basically Godspell is the stories of it's yeah the gospel of Matthew put to song and it's yeah it's just a group of random hippies that kind of meet up well it's at the start there's a bunch of people in New York it's the 70s New York which I do love as a concert yeah. era anyway but there's a bunch of people like there's a, a ballet dancer there's a guy carrying a bunch of clothes on a on a rack on a wheels through new york there's a model trying out yeah actresses for auditions just all these different people doing different things and what we find out is john the baptist yep he basically just turns up in his little quirky beard and smile and funky jacket just sort of looking at people and they see him and he sort of smiles and disappears and they're all like oh. and they all sort of have this revelation to just throw their shit away and just follow him so they all follow him and go to central park and they all jump in the f- iconic fountain of central park which i guess is john the- he's baptizing, he's baptizing them, them yeah. yeah i dig the iconography of what they're yeah. doing there and then jesus turns up who's the dad from alias if you've ever seen that but he's got this massive jufro and he's wearing like the superman t-shirt crazy pants and a superman <laughs> t-shirt so it's like weird and yeah so he's he's john the baptist at the start and they all go through and they're just telling all these parables or parables or the teachings of Matthew and just replaying them all with these vaudeville style acts. It's very vaudeville. So they're using junk and that to tell stories and uses props and retelling all these stories and playing it. And it's it's really funky because they're doing it in New York and in 70s New York I guess it didn't have the tourism that you do now. They would have been and they would have had to shut parts of New York down to film to make it look empty. And they do. They do. Well, the the city looks completely dead in some parts. But I'm assuming I mean back in then you wouldn't have the tourists going down to Wall Street on a weekend. Yeah, exactly. So you'll be able to film on a Sunday at 10, 7 in the morning and you yeah. could get empty areas. So they probably had to block off bits, but it could have been done then, not like it could be done And now. a couple of the scenes take place on the roof of the World Trade Center while it was still under construction. Not quite finished yet. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funky to see. But it, it just told the story through it and I thought it was going to be a big hippie wank fest yeah and i bought in really quickly actually yeah. and i i think the fact that the music is good 
helps. It's written by Stephen Swartz, who went on to write Wicked and did the music for the Disney film Tangled that came out a few years ago. But Wicked's probably the, the thing mm. he's most famous for. And yeah, the, the songs just have that feel to them. Well, day by day, I know. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. And I think most of the actors that were in it are pretty much nobodies other than the guy that played Jesus went on to be somebody. Yeah. And one of the following group of troop type people is Lynn Thigpen, who is quite a famous... She was a Broadway singer, but she's also the voice of the DJ in The Warriors. Yep. And the voice of Luna the Moon in Bear in the Big Blue House, if your kids ever watch that. So, yes. But she's unfortunately no longer with us. But she was good. There was... There was a guy that was playing like a strongman sort of character that at the start I thought he was a little bit annoying, but then by the end of it I kind of liked him as well. Yeah. Like all of the characters were kind of likable, which is quite weird considering they were hippies. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it yeah, really got it, and it, they told the story well, and the music picked in at the right time. Yeah. And yeah, obviously, spoilers Jesus dies at the end, uh, in case you don't know the Jesus story. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets crucified and they all carry him and all that sort of stuff. But they actually sing Day by Day out of the Ever and it's sort of uplifting. Yeah. At the end, like, the, the tune picks it up. It's like, because I'm actually saying to you, you've got to sing Day by Day. It's too sad. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. They picked they, it up yeah, and it felt good. And, yeah, it's just really funky. So um, The way it ended as well, I thought was really good as well, because they went from having the completely empty New York to slowly kind just, of You free sort of followed them around in. the corner as they were carrying Jesus away. And just as you hit the corner, it just filled, the streets just filled with people. And it was just and really, was, really yeah. well filmed yeah it was, it was well done and for 1973 it was probably quite a big concept of them to to do that sort of merge from the no one to mm. you know busy street scene quite quickly so yes yeah so if you like new york and seeing that era of that time it, it was i really dug that so i love going back and watching that sort of era of new york yeah and i i don't think you need to know the whole religion behind it all no i, it I know i knew helps. enough i knew enough yeah. but yeah it, i would like to know more probably to make things easier yeah. but well, yeah, i was like fuck this is all right I'm, I'm loving these movies still not looking forward to next week though but I'll, I'll stick by it and that was jesus christ superstar and juxtaposed to that this was the one i was probably looking forward to the most because I love Jesus Christ Superstar. I just find the movie, the music, everything about it, I just really dig. Yeah. And yeah, again, there was a lot of the religious side of the story that I kind of remembered bits and pieces of and you didn't know a lot of them. No, well, I mean, I actually saw the Arena Spectacular yep. last year with Tim Minchin and Mel C playing in the role. So I know I know the music. Yeah. But again, I just, whatever, I, I'm not just, I wanted to see a Spice Girl live. That's why I went. And I saw the John Farnham, the Arena Spectacular from 15 years ago when it had John Farnham, Casey yeah, Brown, and John Stevens oh, 20 years ago. Mm, mm. Earlier. No, it was in the 2000s, because I remember I got I got tickets through my work social club. Oh. So it was while I was working, definitely. Because he's not working now. <laughs> no, but I, no, I'm not saying it was like, yeah, when I was a school kid or whatever. It was when I was working. I knew, I knew I, obviously, Jesus Christ Superstar, I don't know how to love him, all those sort of songs. So, yeah. But I haven't seen the movie. So I was sort of like, oh, can I be bothered with this? And the, I love the take of the show I saw last year, where it was all about the Occupy movement, and they juxtaposed all that storyline into Occupy. Yep. And, it, and it, it just fitted in seamlessly. And I don't know how much they changed it. Watching the movie, not a lot, if anything. They just, the visuals behind it was, you know, Wall Street, but it was the same story. Mm. Well, I think you were saying the main difference was in the movie, they kind of, it's a bunch of religious reenactors sort of rock up to Israel on a bus and they're going to reenact the Passion Passions of, the of Christ. Yeah. Where but you were saying the, the no. musical just starts and they are who they are. But mm. in the movie, they kind of rock up and they have a box of costumes and they sort of just hand out the costumes to everybody. 
and they they sort of become those characters. And I, I think if if you're an actor and you're going to be in Jesus Christ Superstar, you really want to be Judas, not Jesus. Yeah, because Judas, Judas gets Superstar. the best songs. He gets the best. Like it's a bit of a, a shit ending for Judas. Well, it's I guess, a shit but, for everyone. But he, yeah, he gets the iconic songs, mm. and he really gets to belt them out. And Carl Anderson, that was the guy that played Judas in the movie, was also Judas from the Broadway show and has since gone on to play Judas again in about 15 different productions of Jesus. That's pretty much his career. The guy who played Jesus in the movie is that's his was his career essentially yeah. was just being Jesus. Well, yeah, and Carl, he was a bit not that good. Carl Anderson had been in a few other TV type things and a couple of movies, but yeah, his career was basically just playing Judas and having a couple of jazz albums, I think, in the eighties. Mm. But yeah, there's just something about this movie. It just the feel of it, as I said, the songs. As soon as they started up again, it's probably been I'd say ten years since I've last seen this, and the songs were in my head as soon as it started. Well. Like I said, I saw the production last year and I thought they may have modernised the music a little bit and not jazzed it up, but they grunged it up a little yeah. bit. But listening to the kicks, the kicker when it first starts, like, you know, you get the gospel Jesus Christ Superstar, but then this guitar riff. Yeah, the guitar riff in. is really good. And it was actually, no, this is 1973, so yeah. 40 years ago, it's pretty much the same. It, it was a bit grungier, the one I saw, but it's like, no, that's still pretty heavy, yeah. you know, it's, and it's just an iconic riff. Like, the even the gospel bit at the start, the whole thing, it just works and yeah. it's really good and... I mean, I was like, I, I bought in pretty much from that lick yeah. kicking in. I'm like, all right, I'm in because it looks interesting and funky. And, and I found that it held my attention probably a little bit more than a couple others. of the other films. Yep. Yeah. Well, Tommy held my attention. Oh, Tommy, yeah, definitely Tommy. <laughs> but I found, though, I wasn't reaching for the iPad or. As like, often, yep. The only time I did was only to Confirm. Yeah, look at the wiki <laughs> and work out that who. Yeah, one of the characters was meant to which be. Which was Pontius Pilate? Yeah, which one was Pontius Pilate and, and where did he fit in? And, yeah, was he on the Roman side or was he part of the whole... And had to work out what BCE is. BCE is the wankiest form of yeah. time. Like, there's Anno Domini, AD, and BCE, and before Christ. But there's also, if you ever heard the term BCE which is current something, because they don't want to be Christianized. So if you're not Christian, it's not offensive to be a Christian time-based. So it's just like current event or something. Yeah, not to be confused with BCF, because they're like a fishing and camping shop, aren't they? Boating, camping and fishing. That's what the B stands for. Yeah. There you go. So it did keep my attention. And again, not knowing all those religious stories properly. Yeah. Like, it's um, it's a pretty famous one, the whole last few days of Christ. I mean, I I sort of know of it, but there's all that. But turning that, what Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber did with the songs, they turn them into things and the way they put it as part of the song or part of the story, it was sort of like someone will renounce him three times or reject him three times and all that's Deny him. Deny him, sorry. Yes. Yes. So, yes. Peter, one of the Twelve Apostles, mm. denied him and then yeah, denied him to the point where when the Romans came along and went, are you part of his group? He went, no, I've never met him before and kind of left him alone. I thought the, the girl that played Mary Magdalene wasn't that strong. No, I thought Jesus and Mary were not strong, considering how iconic it is. But mind yeah. you, it was 1973. I don't know how big it was as a, as a, as a play. Obviously, it was big the enough Broadway, to make a movie. The Broadway play in 1970, the soundtrack for that like sold millions mm. and Murray Head who went on to do One Night in Bangkok, played the role of Judas in that. And that was his first number one record was the soundtrack of, okay. of that Yeah, song. so I'm not sure if it was a big... 
budget thing. It was going to be huge or it was safe or they just used the people who were in cast recordings to yeah. put in the roles because there was no big names in it. No. So, um, but yeah, it was it was very well made. as a, They t- interpreted the story and made this movie that was visually great as well. There were some strange moments. There was very 70s moments, I think, because there's a bit where he's having conflict. Judas is conflicted because he's not liking what Jesus is doing and everything. And then these four tanks just roll over the sand dunes behind him. Yeah. And there's, there's no noise. It's all quiet. And then as they get as they close, the sound just kicks in and it's just this massive noise, which is very 70s sort of thing. Very yeah. Ken Russell, who did Tommy, actually, <laughs> yeah. sort of sort of thing. It really sucked me in, yeah. which I didn't think it would. I was uh, going, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know the songs. And it's just that story again. But no, nah, it was... I was not blown away by it, but I was, I was a lot more into it than I thought I was definitely yeah. going to be. No, I, I love it, but I knew I was going to love it because I've loved it since I first saw it. And the thing I really like about it, and this is more for the, the soundtrack and the, the songs themselves, is just the fact that they have that continual riff that sort of starts with Judas when he sings the first song, that sort of comes back again when he does his other little, you know, mm. his confrontation bit. And it's just yeah that just guitar riff and that lick and just the way it comes in and then turns into Jesus Christ Superstar which is the song that most people would know yep. and it's quite strange because there's not a lot of like visual production in it it's just them singing in the desert sort of thing until that superstar scene and when they sing that it's there's spotlights and there's like different lighting and there's different costumes and Carl Anderson comes out in his Randy Macho Man Savage outfit with, <laughs> yes. the, with the tassels on the sleeves <laughs> So, but yeah, it's I, I highly recommend it, and I think probably if you do know a little bit about the story of the Bible and Judas doing the betrayal, probably would help. I, I, if you were a complete atheist that knew nothing about the Bible, yep. you would probably sit there and go, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, because I did have to read the book when I saw the show last year, and it's like, <laughs> "Why did Judas turn on him? He's meant to be his mate." I was like, "Oh, okay, fair enough." But no, I, I'm glad we watched them. Like, I think of seventies rock operas, we probably picked four of the five that you would instantly think of the other one being Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror Picture which Show we which we know so well that yeah. we don't need to I, I don't think there would be another 70s rock opera that would have fitted in quite as well as the ones we did and it's kind of strange that the ones we did pick even though they're not really related they all kind of have something that joins them together well they're either hippies or religious essentially yeah that was I mean it's obviously of the, they're all of their time yeah and even Tommy when you think about it the fact that it's not the Jesus story it's still he became the prophet and he started his own religion sort of thing he was a bit john the baptist he was a bit jesus he was a bit everything yeah and i guess that's of its whether it's of its time like that was obviously what was in the zeitgeist when it was being written so jesus christ superstar was what 69 70 yeah and so was tommy so yeah. it's it, it that's must have been the shit that was going down probably and who knows with the vietnam war what was pushing people was pushing people back to religion yeah it was and that's and what i love about all of them except for maybe hair because it was a bit more straightforward compared to the others it wasn't a conceptual movie it was a straightforward narrative yeah, with a exactly. bunch of songs in between yeah where the others all were figurative in the representation of things like yeah. this this does not mean this or you know and i think the thing as well was jesus christ superstar definitely didn't have any spoken dialogue it had some very close to being spoken yep. lyrics in a couple of the songs but everything was through song godspell i think had a little bit very of minor talking but that was again more kind of like narrative introducing the stories that became mm. the songs whereas hair did have a lot of talking in it yeah there was a lot of talking scenes in between the songs whereas i, I don't think tommy had no, any talking songs, in it. it was yep. all songs so i think the fact that the ones that were 
pure musicals kind of appealed to us a little bit more because they're all that sort of more surreal and literal yeah literal is yeah. a very good way to put it and it makes you want to watch more but I don't think there is any like, yeah well as I said Rocky Horror is the only other one that really jumped out mm. I think so there if was, anyone has any that they we can watch please let us know I think there was a Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat but I'm not sure if they made a movie of that or whether yeah. that was just a it was a something production. like from 2000 with Donny Osmond yeah so, so it's don't not watch like, that I want, to, I want to watch the 70s one <laughs> when I was a kid I can remember going to a production of Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat and the I'm not sure if it was Joseph himself but someone came through the crowd to go onto the stage and I was probably six or seven and I almost shit myself when he came out of the stage and I was just in a state of shock for the rest of it and I remember nothing other than just seeing this dude in this big coat come running through the crowd freaked me out when I was little talking about inappropriate parenting (laughs) so yes well that's probably our show for this month we've gone a bit longer than normal because I think we had twice as many movies as we normally watch Mm mm-hmm we do have a couple more movie-centric podcasts themes coming up. We we thought with Halloween coming up in October, next month we might delve into some vampire movies because I haven't watched that many vampire movies for a while. So I think we're going to go right back and watch one of the very classic vampire movies in Nosferatu. And, and is it an 80s or a 90s classic near dark? 80s. 80s, yeah. So uh, Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson. And we Catherine might... Bigelow directed. Yes. Was it a debut? No. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I said that with conviction. I have no idea. <laughs> it was, we'll, we'll find that out before next month. Anyway, and also we're going to look at a couple of more modern ones in... Twilight. Yes, yeah. We're going to, we're going to rewatch the Twilight Saga and then we're going to watch Vampire Academy. <laughs> and then we're going to rub sand in our vaginas. <laughs> But yeah, we're going to look at a couple more modern ones and possibly Let the Right One In, the Swedish vampire film. If we can find a good copy. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll watch Let Them In or... Or The Lost Boys <laughs> or something. Anyway. Well, it's vampire film. Yes. I don't think we're going to watch Vampire Suck, though, are we? I doubt it. Vampire anyway, so- in Brooklyn. <laughs> there are some good vampire movies out there. There's some I- shit ones, too. <laughs> yeah. And some of them made a lot of money, the shit ones. Mm-hmm. Twilight movies. Yes. I, I still stand by the fact that that Twilight, that the baseball game in the first one's the best part of the movie. But anyway. All right. Enough about my Twilight obsession. <laughs> Let's wrap it up there. If you have any feedback for us, you can drop us a line on the MA podcast at gmail.com. Come and check us out on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast. You can find our website as the MA podcast.podbean.com and look us up anywhere you find podcasts such as iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast devices, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's us for this month, Mitch. No worries. Thanks See you. Then. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.
stop Now who'd you think beside yourself was a pick of a crop? Buddha was he where it's at, is he where you are? Could Mohammed move a mountain or was that just the art? Did you mean silence that was that a mistake? Or did you know your message that would be a record breaker? Jesus Christ, who are you born to be sacrificed? Jesus Christ, who are you born to be sacrificed? Jesus Christ, who are you born to be sacrificed?